I think the fastest, one of the fastest way to erode trust conversationally is when you ask meaningful questions and you you don't remember that you've asked those before. Mm-hmm. Like you're asking someone to share something and you ask that question again mm-hmm. and again. And they realize I'm being vulnerable to you and you aren't paying attention. Hi, my name is Chris Zaug and welcome to Let's Talk Teams, a podcast by Uptick the one-on-one meeting software that helps managers and their teams get on the same page. But more than that, actually having better conversations with one another, not just talking about projects or status updates and all the stuff you can do via email. It digs into the nitty gritty things, how work is going and how your team members work best, the conversations you never get to really have. In this episode, Michael and I chat about how to develop transparency on your team in this Zoom and remote world. So a little over a year ago, uh, we did a podcast about remote work, and it was like this little controversial thing on our team. Like, okay, uh, should we allow people to work remotely? And you know, you made some great points. I thought where you said, well, you know, you say you don't know what somebody's doing if they're not in your office. How do you know what they're doing when they're in your office? And it was like, oh yeah. And our, our teammate Matt was with us. We chatted a lot about it, and and uh, and we we went for it. We said, okay, let's do it. So he went to Florida for five weeks, and. And uh, or three weeks, I guess, at the time. And we're all like, hey, this worked really great. And that was March 3rd when he returned, 2020. <laughs> and on March 13th, everybody was remote. Yeah, a little uh, a pilot turned into a year-long pilot. Yeah, exactly, for every person on our team. And, um, and, and I've, I've really, as a leader, enjoyed kind of the transparent relationships on the team. I realized I, I like being around people. I'm, you know, uh, you're, you know, you're a guy who likes to kind of, likes people and then likes to go off and really dig in and mm-hmm. right be alone. Um, for me, I just like being around folks. And I realized why. For me, I, I like to watch people. I, I, maybe it's pathological, I don't know. But I, I kind of like to be in a room and I watch how people respond to each other, how they communicate with each other. You know, there's sort of an old mm-hmm. adage that, you know, if you're not nice to the waiter, you're not a nice person, right? And so you you, you learn a lot about people in a sense, just by proximity, you're watching them interact, right? You see, mm-hmm. uh, I see you talking with Matt. And I'm like, gosh, Michael's really engaging with Matt on this problem that Matt has. It's not Michael's problem. It's Matt's problem. So then sort of by proxy, I say, okay, well, the next time I have a problem that isn't Michael's problem, maybe he'll help me and it'll be okay because he's. Mm-hmm. I've already seen it happen. We watch that, that sort of dynamic go on all the time, right? Yeah, and you don't even notice that's what you're doing. It's just right. perception and yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're you're gathering information all the time, and um, and that's something we don't do now when we're in the Zoom world. I mean, Zoom fatigue is real, right? You know that better than anyone right now. Oh right? yeah, you're you know on all the time, and and because you don't you don't get that three dimensional conversation, and to a certain extent, it's transactional. Like you're saying, I'm on this call to to for this reason to solve this problem or to expose this problem. There's always something there, whereas when you're in the office, you know, you walk by and, you know, back in the day when, you you know, you would have some cool project at home going on, you say, hey, check this out. And I, you know, stand behind your desk, look at your screen and we look at hardware you know, or something mm-hmm. that was fun. And it's harder to do that now. I mean. Yeah, I was just talking with a, a family member who is the CEO of a company and he was sharing that, like, you know, a lot of the time when he would kind of run things past people, he would try to run ideas past people in a kind of a low-key way. And, uh, you just like see someone who's just not in the middle of anything. He's like, hey, you know, I've been kind of thinking about this. What do you think about this? It's like, you can't do that 
you can't casually ask for someone's input <laughs> over Zoom. Hi, yeah. the CEO would like to schedule a Zoom call with you to talk about this topic. Like that just right. He's right. like, you just kind of have to take that concept and throw it out. And as much as it kind of maybe sounds like we're saying remote work is the worst, we're more so talking about how to increase transparency exactly. at a distance. And yes. so, how do you take these situations that we don't have as readily accessible? How do we take that and bring it to our new remote world? Right, and that's what we're going to talk about here. And it, it, and it, I don't know. I'm, a, I'm an old dude, right? So, so I remember back in the days when we would have you know conference calls with no video. And one time in particular, I was a new, uh, I was a new person on a on a the the most prominent team in our organization. So this was the executive leadership team. I'm the new guy. Everybody else lives in Florida, and I live in Indiana. Okay, so I had to do this presentation of something completely new and would have been absolutely not understandable to them. So I have this presentation and I start the presentation on the phone and it's dead silence. They just say, okay, Chris, the floor is yours. Yeah, so it's I, just a conference call. It's no, a conference no call, exactly. There's no, there's no screen up. So I start talking and I get going and there's no feedback. There's nothing. I ask for questions. Nope, no questions crickets, right? I start talking faster and faster and faster. And one of my buddies on the other end of the line literally texted me and said, slow down. <laughs> but of course, I didn't see it until after the presentation because I was so wound up mm -hmm. because I was so used to getting a feedback. I'm a musician by, by, by training and you're used to getting immediate feedback from your audience. You know if they're with you or not. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can make mid-course corrections. I could do nothing. It was zero. It was brutal. It was terrible. So I think that the Zoom world offers us some opportunities to make things better. We just have to be intentional about making things better. So I think that, you know, as managers, we need to find ways to encourage transparency. Like, how do we create those same sort of relationships where people can see who we are, who uh, we can see who they are in, in a Zoom world? I mean, when you think about when you look back a little bit uh, in your own in your own work life, think about the, the ways you would gather information about your teams. We've talked a little bit about that, but as a manager, I'm going to cut that out. Um, so I think the the thing for us is like, what are the things we can do as managers to cultivate this sort of transparent relationships with our team? How can we make it so that it doesn't feel like remote is a bad thing? Because it's not. We've seen it work really well in our own company. But we've had to take very intentional steps. And in some ways, it's not even the managers taking the steps. It's empowering the team members to take steps. Mm -hmm. So for us, almost immediately when we, when, we, uh, when we went remote, people started thinking of fun ways for us to engage in kind of the goofy ways we used to engage in the, in the, in the office. So we would have a, we had a, a, a playlist channel where people would put in their Spotify playlists and we would listen to them and we'd say, really? Like, you like that music? Like, that's like a guilty pleasure, right? You know, I, I put in my, my old man 70s mix. <laughs> I don't know if anybody listened to it. I didn't keep account, but you know, I was like, hey, it's, it's what I like. You know, you're kind of exposing yourself a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just like, what are ways to, to show and engage in uh, more vulnerable ways? Not that it was super vulnerable, like putting out your own playlist of what you like. You don't yeah. know what everyone's going to come back with. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just I just had a conversation yesterday with a with a guy, a CEO, who was talking with one of his, his team members or with his team, and they were trying to do something fun. They had like this icebreaker, and and it was and they they shared this icebreaker, and literally one of the guys would not participate. 
Well, that tells you something, right? It's, it's something, this is a good, good fodder for conversation later. Like, why didn't you want to participate? Well, because it was embarrassing to me. Oh, okay. Well, everybody else was being embarrassing too. I mean, what, what are those things that are there? But that sort of, you know, he found a way to bring it out, to find something out about his team member by simply being intentional. So that's, that's kind of the first thing I think you need to think about as a manager when you think about how do I create transparency on my team? You have to be intentional. For a lot of the people on your team, you're the boss and you kind of hold their career in your hands. So you need to find ways to, to have those, that kind of relationship where you can go back and forth. I'll just say this. If you're here, you know that we're, uh, we, we, we've created Uptick. We're really big on one-on-ones. I'll say if you're not having one-on-ones right now, start. Okay? This will help your team members know that they're valuable to you, and it will give them a regular cadence of communication with you that they can count on. Yeah, and even right now, like my one-on-one cadences are changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like People that... I've worked alongside now, like are reporting to me. And in different, we have a lot of relationship built up over the years of working together, but it changes now that mm-hmm. like our working relationships have changed. And it's different in every single one-on-one. It's like one person we're talking more about the work, partially because like I'm just trying to catch up. Another person we're talking about, you know, kind of like how we can develop some of their new skills in the direction that they want to keep growing. Another person, we're trying to figure out how to collaborate together really tightly because our work overlaps quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And without having those set aside times, like it just kind of feels like it's extra. It's mm-hmm. it's not uh, pertinent. It's not like the most important thing that we all should grab time for. But because we just kind of have the set aside time, we're we're growing in different levels of transparency now. Mm-hmm. We say, oh, we're just going to set aside a half hour for this, and we do it. And I'd say, yeah, if you're not doing it, it can be awkward getting started because you're not used to, <laughs> you show up and you're both like, well, what do we do here now? Right. But that's part of why we built questions and things like that into Uptick to help get that started, to help get you moving down the transparency path. Right. No, you're absolutely right. It's really hard for a team member to, to ask for time with their manager. They know that their managers are super busy. And it's, it's like they have an issue that they, that they would normally love to talk about. Maybe if they're in the office at the water cooler or whatever. It's harder to do that, as you mentioned, with a Zoom call. Hey, this is like, I want to talk to you about this thing. Well, if you've got a weekly one-on-one, that's a part of the process, right? They're going to bring it up in that context if you're asking the right questions. So love the idea of being intentional. And, and that's a real-world example that you just shared. And yeah. you said, you know, 1B on this thing in terms of uh, being intentional is making sure that you're paying attention to who that person is and what they need. Because mm-hmm. what you just shared was, depend, you know, five, six different one-on-ones, people need different things, and you're trying to give that to them. Yeah, and one other part of it, too, is you're, you're less approachable the less someone knows you. Mm-hmm. Unless the part of knowing you is knowing you're a very unapproachable person. But we'll assume that that's not yeah. the case for this conversation. <laughs> like, by having one-on-ones and someone can understand more of what's on your plate and they know that, like, you genuinely want to helping you genuinely don't want them to be stuck on things, we'll invite the in-between comments to come. Invite the, hey, I just am stuck on this. Mm-hmm. And it's not a fear-based, like, I should, it's my job to know how to do this. It's my job to figure this out. I shouldn't ask for help. I don't want them to think poorly of me because I'm asking for help. Having one-on-ones in any capacity, use up, tick, or don't, whatever, is what can help unlock a little bit of that that 
fear of I'm not doing good enough or I'm going to be seen as I'm not a good good team member or competent. So it's just having more proximity and relationship will help that a lot. I love that. Yeah, and it'll also help them uh, feel the freedom to be curious. Ask questions like, hey, how's the business going? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. how, how, is, how do you feel like our team is doing, Chris? I mean, that's that's an important thing that I like to expose too is give the, them the opportunity to ask me questions that normally would go unasked without that one-on-one time. So I love that. So the first thing is to be intentional. The second thing, I think, to build trust, you need to have a plan for your time together. As you just said, you know, you need to you need to think about, okay, who is this person? What are the kinds of things that they need from me? But then you need to be flexible in that plan. You know, you may go into it and thinking, well, you know, Jeremy usually likes to talk about the work because there's a lot of things he wants to get answers to. He wants to get into the, the nitty-gritty of this. Mm-hmm. This week, all of a sudden, the answers are different. Something's different. So it's nice to have that plan. It's nice to be there. And, and we're going to give some, some things you can, you can do in that plan. But I want to just highlight to be flexible because different people have different cadences of their life. There's an up and down and ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not always doing as well today as I did two weeks ago. And sometimes we'll need to talk about different stuff to make it a relevant time. Yeah, we'll, we'll generally believe ourselves to be fairly predictable, reasonable people. <laughs> and then we'll think others are not. Right. So uh, they, anybody you're meeting with, they may seem, may think they're the exact same and you may think they're being, you know, unpredictable. Why did they want this now than last week? Well, we're all the same. Right. We all have similar proclivities. So flexibility is key. Yeah. And, and honestly, um, although I consider myself perhaps erroneously an adaptable guy, I do find that I, that occasionally I pigeonhole people. And I, 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 I like what I like. I like certain communication styles. I like a more placid relational um, template, you know, a, a canvas. And when somebody is more mercurial or, you know, up and down, for those people who don't use that word, um, an antiquated word, um, I, I get unsettled. And it, it's bad the way I respond sometimes to people who are just being themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's so important for me yeah, to remind my peaks, myself. Yeah, my peaks and valleys are higher and lower than yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They and I and I get uncomfortable with it, and I just have to go. Hey, we're different guys. I, my my wife is a lot more like you. I've been married twenty nine years. I still don't get it sometimes. <laughs> I, I don't. It's because it's a it's an artistic melancholy temperament that that lives in the moment and really experiences things, which I envy in so many ways. But I found myself as a manager sometimes wanting to avoid it. And how do we just move through this? Yeah, yeah. Can't do it. Got to let people live in it. So, mm-hmm. so, okay, so here's a few things in that building trust and having a plan. First thing is ask good, open-ended questions, right? You know, and, and hopefully not like, how are you doing? Fine. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you want to ask things that have a little bit more depth. I know in our product, we have this thing called Dex that I really love because there's provocative questions in there. Not provocative in the sense of, you know, uh, in the wrong way, but they, they, they provoke you to think. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And I get a lot of comments about that. Like, I never thought of it this way. That's really good. So try to, if you're not using Uptick, try to find some questions. There's plenty of people out there writing blogs. And maybe we'll put some resources in our, our, our show notes where you can find them even on our blog. Mm-hmm. But things that you can ask um, that will get the conversation started more than just fine. Yeah, and with questions too, more specific open-ended questions I've found are more helpful than more generic open-ended mm-hmm. questions. So, which requires you to know something about the person you're meeting mm-hmm. with. But it, it, there's a scale. So you could say, hey, how's it going? 
And that's a fine opening to let people opt in how seriously or how vulnerable they'll be with that statement. And the level of trust you have will indicate how vulnerable they'll be with their response to that question. Mm. But then other other ones like um, with when I'm meeting with some of our developers, we went together and we made a set of questions that are mm-hmm. good, open-ended, uh, like good, thought-provoking questions. Like, what's an area of the product that you just feel least comfortable working in? Or something like right. that. It's very specific, but it's very open-ended. And a more specific question can oftentimes help the re- person who's responding mm-hmm. channel to find a response than something so generic. They're like, I mean, I could take this a hundred ways. What's the safe right. way I can take right. this with my boss? Right, right. So I think that's something about the good aspect of a good open-ended question is something that sets the person who's receiving that question mm-hmm. up to be able to respond without making them feel like there's a thousand landmines that they could right. step on. Right. Yeah, they don't want to play the game. That's scary. The game is yeah. scary. I love that. Well, then the next thing, after you've asked good questions, now you got to listen to the answers for real. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not thinking about something else. And then ask follow-up questions. Dig a little bit deeper. Um, I know for me, when people do that with me, I feel valued. Like, oh, they, they actually care about the answer that I gave them. And sometimes, if especially if you're asking for feedback, um, you occasionally need to implement implement the feedback in order for them to feel as if that feedback matters. So one thing I would say, a, a, a kind of a corollary to this, don't ask a question where you don't want to hear the answer. You know, sometimes we'll we'll ask a question because we think they're going to give us the answer we like, but you got to play it out in your head a little bit. If they if they say something I don't like, am I okay with that? Because I, I think as managers we need to grow and we need to we need you know the truth is our friend, right? We need to ask the question. And if they give us an answer that we don't like, we need to follow up and say, okay, well, tell me more about it. The example that we just shared before, I like to live in this Disneyland where everything's beautiful mm-hmm. and you sometimes are, are super high or you're coming in with the real with the real truth. Mm-hmm. Well, I would like to gloss over the real truth. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I don't really want to, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I do. I, I like, well, that's, that's great, Michael. Yeah, we shouldn't avoid those questions. Right. But we should be prepared for when... It, prompts you know, a not fun discussion. Right, right. That's And that I've, I found that in my career to be way more valuable, to be honest. Those are the conversations I remember. Well, it's the ones that actually move the needle oftentimes. Right. Because something has to be done. The status quo can't stay. Right, right. So try to make sure that you're not like me and you're not always looking for pixie dust and, <laughs> and you know, and trumpets. You know, you got to be able to dig into the, the nitty-gritty stuff. So Well, and a, a big thing I would say, too, about listening to the responses and building trust. I think the fastest, one of the fastest way to erode trust conversationally is when you ask meaningful questions and you you don't remember that you've asked those before. Mm-hmm. Like you're asking someone to share something and you ask that question again mm-hmm. and again. Mm-hmm. And they realize I'm being vulnerable with you and you aren't paying attention. Yeah, I was just talking with a friend who's had this happen where he's like, I've shared real stuff with someone and they've asked me the same question weeks later, maybe even months later. But it's like, this wasn't a casual question. This wasn't casual conversation. Like I shared with you and you don't even remember. So now I don't think you're listening. Mm. I'm I'm less willing to engage when you ask me a deeper question. Like he was sharing that about some conversations that he's had with someone else. And that's same thing in the workplace. If you're asking someone to be vulnerable or even even lighter hearted things, you got to, remember (laughs) or write down to help you remember 
Man, that, that, that's a great point. And it actually leads into the next point I wanted to make. And that is acknowledging that people have a life outside of work, mm-hmm. right? That's a really important part of building transparency. They're, they're bringing their, their, their life to work. It's all a part of the same deal. And, um, and again, it's easy to gloss over that. And I, I've probably forgotten things about people that I should know too, but I think that's where, you know, if you can spend time really allowing for, allowing it to happen, it won't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to happen. There's certain levels of transparency that people are willing to take with their managers and, oh, and yeah. that's okay. There's a sliding scale. Yeah. There are boundaries. You know, it's okay. I've got some people that will share with me everything going on in their life and I share everything that's going on in my life. It's just sort of like, okay, we're open books to each other. And for other folks, they choose to be a little bit more closer to the vest. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It's totally fine. But it's understanding that and realizing that you need to be willing at a moment's notice to enter into where if they're inviting you in, you need to carefully, gently, and respectfully enter in. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't barge in, but but you know, you you gotta you gotta if they invite you in, then then go in. Yeah, and another aspect of that too is when I guess I'll speak for myself. When I know that the people I'm working with or or reporting to or working for care about my life broader than just the work we're doing, then when there's a time when there's going to be a, a request made, like I'm going to need to put in a little more time this week or something that's you know an, an urgent thing or if I was to get a call on a Saturday morning, I'm more willing to engage with that when I know that the person knows what they're asking of me. Mm-hmm. Like when they know that, you know, Saturdays are usually my time to X, Y, Z, you wouldn't be asking me unless this was serious. Yeah. You wouldn't be making a request for me to work late uh, if unless it was serious because you know that I have dinner with my kids at six o'clock every night or whatever the mm-hmm. routine is right. that the person has. Um, and not that we should make habits out of working late, but right. when, when someone invites you in, like they, when you go to make a request, they can understand that. Yeah. You, you're aware of what you're asking. It's not just the work tyrant asking for more. No, that's true. And, and, and I think the other thing that helps along those lines, another point I was going to make here is to make sure that you're sharing parts of your own life too, appropriate, oh, yeah. kind of in a mirroring way. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, maybe you step out on the thin ice a little bit before they do. And by doing that, you can develop a deeper relationship and some safety in the relationship and trust in the relationship that really helps. The next point I want to make, though, is super, super important that as you share those stories, do not make yourself the hero of every story. People need to hear that you're human, that you've had failures. And I, I had a leader years ago, one of my executive leaders, who always was the hero of every story they ever shared. And they felt completely inaccessible to us regular people who actually had problems. Yes. So make sure you're open and honest about that stuff. Really important. And the last thing is, Spend time clarifying expectations regarding what they're supposed to accomplish. The goal is that you both would agree on what's supposed to be done. So there aren't any, you know, gotchas. There aren't any, like, games being played. We can decide together, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do by the time we meet again. And then you can evaluate how it went. You can find the obstacles. As a manager, you can help them uh, find ways to solve the problems they have to get there or give them a way to go that was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, Great job this last week, so... That's yeah, it. just removing the, the questions of am I working on the right thing? Am I am I focused on what I think my boss thinks I should be focused on? Having those clear expectations feel like when you're having them as, as the manager and the team member, you're like, do we really need to spend time like focusing this? Isn't it clear? <laughs> but team members want to like the people on their team want 
to make sure that they're working on the things that you think they should be working on. Mm -hmm. They want to please not just you, but they want to be aligned with the vision, aligned with what the team needs to be accomplishing. And so spending a little time clarifying that goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Okay, so the first thing is you have to be intentional. Then you have to build trust to have a plan. And the third one is schedule some fun. Okay. I mean, that's something that's really important as you're trying to build transparency with your team. We talked about before, you know, you could have fun, spontaneous fun around the water cooler where you're sitting around telling stories about, you know, what your dog did last night or something. Um, Make sure that there's some fun there. As we mentioned before, that could be having, you know, we have a pets of uptick channel where people are always, you know, putting stuff about their pets in there and uh, funny stuff and funny videos. We've got the, as I mentioned, the playlist thing. We have a, a donuts channel. We have a, we have a donuts meeting. On Friday mornings, 9 o'clock in the morning, we get together and we just laugh about nothing for a half an hour. It's just find ways to make the experience more human. They bring some levity. They bring some mm-hmm. non-work in the middle of all the work. And uh, I think that's been really good for our team. Yeah, so, so to, to sum up, we don't really need to live in this dark world of, oh, we're a Zoom, this is terrible, we're remote. For those of us who liked being in person, we don't have to wring our hands and say, oh my gosh, life will never be the same. We can really try to make it the same. We can. We just have to really think about how to do it and be intentional working forward with our team to make a much more human experience. And that's what we're shooting for. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to Let's Talk Teams. If you have any other questions, we'd love to talk with you. You can hit us up on Twitter at UpTickApp, or you can also message us personally. Our info is in the show notes. And if you want to make your one-on-ones better with your team or with your manager, check out Uptick by visiting uptickapp.com.